Welcome to Conscious Curiosity San Diego, the podcast that provides the backstory of local successful San Diego leaders who bring hope, inspiration, and purpose to the work they do and the people they lead. Conscious Curiosity is sponsored by Conscious Capitalism San Diego, and I'm your host, Jeff Blanton from Jailbreak Leadership. Conscious Capitalism calls for a different type of leadership, a leader that seeks a higher purpose for business beyond profit that positively impacts all stakeholders employees, vendors, and the community they work in. We will explore why they have come to lead in this way, the rewards and challenges of being a conscious leader, and their vision for the future for their businesses and the community of San Diego. Is it possible to be born an entrepreneur? Our guest today founded his very first business when he was eight years old. I mean, what were you doing when you were eight? I know I wasn't running a business. But here's the bad news. He got shut down by a higher authority, his mother. But that didn't deter him. He's gone on to do many amazing things, and he's here today to share the driving force behind what he has done, what he is doing, and maybe a little insight as to where he's going. Jesse Langley, welcome to Conscious Curiosity. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for the opportunity. I find it ironic. Jesse is the COO of Lotus Sustainables, who's on the mission to eliminate plastic bags from shopping and to date has prevented 2.75 billion plastic bags from entering the environment. Well, it turns out Jesse's first entrepreneurial venture when he was eight was very similar to what he's doing today. Jesse, what was that venture and why did your mother shut you down? Yeah, so that, that venture was collecting aluminum cans. And I, at, at eight, was super excited to be able to feel that I was just finding money on the side of the road, but that didn't limit me. I, uh, I ended up jumping into dumpsters and, and pulling it out and, and uh, turned it into quite a little business until I was constantly sick. And that's when, that's when mom said, no more of this. We've got to find another way. I'm okay with you, you know, helping out the planet and, and collecting some cans and, and furthering your, your, your business. But we've got, to, we've got to step out of the dumpsters. So that's what, that's what started the venture. Your first interaction with OSHA turns out to be your mother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an amazing start to things. What, what, what happened after that? What was Jesse like in the early days? Yeah, I'm really blessed. I got to grow up in Mammoth, and that really gave me a, a great opportunity to be out in nature a lot. Uh, I also started out skiing at a pretty young age and got into ski racing, and that was a really uh, quite a thrill. And you know, through ski racing and and putting myself kind of in that space, really sparked an interest and layered up uh, a path that that's you know it really helped define my direction now and how I've how I've gone about things over the last few decades. So how, how did skiing tie in? It was like uh, the team, the out. What, what was what was the? Yeah, you know, actually, it was really about um, pushing limits. It was really about racing. It was really about going as fast as you can without crashing. And you're always finding that that limit, and you're you're crashing a lot. And uh, that that was really exciting for me to be kind of testing those boundaries, understanding what that uh, looks like, what that feels like when you accomplish that, when you overcome, when you break through some of those ceilings. And so that was really uh, layered up a kind of a path for me on how I approached a lot of different things in, in, in the future. Which is interesting because when we were talking earlier, one of the things you brought up was a quote from T.S. Eliot, which was, uh, only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. And you were sharing that was, that's kind of been your mantra throughout your life. So that ties directly into the, the skiing idea. What's, what's the limits? 
So how, so as we talk about where you've been, what you're doing, I'd love to always kind of connect back to that kind of mantra and how, how's that how's that working for you and what's that look like even today? Yeah, you know, it it really kind of developed through the years and, and it means several different things to me. One, it means, you know, not really not really having something that is putting a limit on it that's pending from society or pending from your environment that's saying, hey, this is where this is where you should cap out as. And so that was always something that I really, you know, enjoyed finding that extra side of it. Um, what it also meant was finding new opportunities to test those limits. And so it was really into the space of what are new experiences that I could step out of that weren't necessarily, you know, consistent with the previous one. And that really laid the framework on how I continue to do different type of business ventures or industries moving forward. So what's your background? What, what did you do in college? How did you get prepped for uh, the working world out here? Sure. So the, you know, I think the diversity started obviously growing up in Mammoth, small mountain town, you know, not, not a whole much going on, but nature, uh, and, and to change up and have a different, uh, diverse area. I I went to USC and down in South central LA. So already kind of stepped into a new environment, uh, started out as an entrepreneur major and, and graduated in entrepreneurship. And I did the next exact thing that every entrepreneur does. And I joined the Navy. So <laughs> it was an obvious move. Obvious move. <laughs> it was really about uh, our entrepreneurial organizations. <laughs> right. Exactly. Again, another kind of evidence of, of doing something non sequitur outside of that. Uh, so I was in special operations in the Navy for four years, which was a phenomenal opportunity to work with a lot of fast paced solution minded individuals and, and solving different things in that start. So that from the very beginning kind of had me looking at things at a different, different perspective. And, um, from that, uh, after the Navy and, and working that, I, I moved to Fiji and lived in Fiji five years developing a resort. So again, another, uh, so that's a big, that's a big leap, right? I mean, <laughs> is, is a big leap, but again, it was the opportunity to try something new and the opportunity to kind of really explore into something else. And I, and I, and I found through my career, that's been something that I seem to switch up every four to five years. I'll, I'll play in a space and, and learn it. And it's, it's not the conventional path. Um, you know, I think the conventional path is usually become a subject matter expert, learn the industry, grow your network, grow your relationships, you know, further, maybe you step into another industry that, that hasn't been my path. And it's just, you know, provided I've looked at things a little bit differently as I've navigated. So is that kind of like from uh, the family? Was there like your father or your mother or someone else in the family that's kind of brought you along those lines because because you're right i mean that is not the norm people go out they kind of find their spot and then they settle in and 40 years later go okay <laughs> thanks versus every four or five years let's let's shift this thing up it's a good question i think there is something that comes from my family to a degree uh I, my my father was an entrepreneur he did he did as i think about it now he was a russian major at the university of texas so to try to put two things together there <laughs> non sequitur so as you kind of ponder and, and look at some of the background my grandfather same thing was an entrepreneur and uh did a lot of different ventures so i think that was part of it um and then part of just uh stepping into the the joy of having a fresh perspective was I really uh, enjoyed that side of it. Uh, I enjoyed um, doing something that was a bit outside the box that wasn't necessarily the conventional. I didn't necessarily search out to find something entirely different than than the previous venture, but it just so happened that those were things landed. So that's that's kind of kind of the course. So 
with that being said, after after being in Fiji for five years and, and working on that project, I then uh, came back and got involved in the energy business. Maybe, maybe just back up a hair on that one, Jesse. Sure. Like, what, what were you doing in Fiji? I mean, that's a pretty interesting story. What, what was what was that project all about? Yeah, definitely. We started out with 87 acres with a goal to develop an eco-minded resort. We ended up with about 1,000 acres and developing a, a great project that was really about embracing the local culture. And the Fijians are, are phenomenal people. They, if, if you haven't been to Fiji, please put it on your list because they are second to none as far as how to, how to be beings and how to really interact. And so it was, a, it was a wonderful opportunity at a fairly early age to get exposure to a group of people, to a civilization that really has the right attitude and, and the laughter and demeanor around life. Wow. So we really kind of created a cornerstone of saying, hey, this, this is how things should operate yes. versus uh, out here banging against each other and competing and striving and grinding. Yes. Wow. So, you know, you went from collecting cans. Now we're today we're trying to save the world from plastic. And but Fiji was really about land and doing things right. What, what were some kind of the biggest takeaways? You know, obviously, the culture piece was big. Anything else there that was kind of a cornerstone to Jesse and how you've moved forward in life? I think just that interaction and the, the, the human element part of it, um, sitting in a village with the chief drinking kava in a circle and talking about how we'll be able to provide employment for his villagers for, for many decades into the future was really uplifting. And, and really, as a, it, it put the onus on us to help design programs that were more long-term perspective versus a short-term win potentially for these groups. And so it was designing different um, employment opportunities or deal structures that really empowered them and gave them a big part of it. Because at the end of the day, people were visiting Fiji for the Fijians and what they have done. And we really wanted that to be a cornerstone. So I think it really created that sense of place and that desire to uh, honor that civilization and, and the Fijians and what they do as far as a full group. A very conscious capitalism sounding back in the day, right? <laughs> <laughs> How many years ago was that? That was 20 years ago. Yeah, conscious capitalism didn't exist 20 years ago, but the reality is many people were out doing that kinds of work back then. So what came next after that? Yes, after that, I got involved in the energy business back here in the U.S., and I worked for an investor-owned utility, and I was uh, tasked to run a program, a strategic energy fund that was providing public purpose goods to about 100 local governments in California. And the goal of these funds was to help further climate action plans or reduce greenhouse gas reduction policies and really taking a longer view on energy versus just changing a light bulb to an LED or what have you. So it was phenomenal to to play a role in, in, in an institutional side at this point now, right, where we're looking at how are these governments actually doing something that will affect uh, change over many decades, not just years. And so it was a great opportunity to see another lens of how you interact with sustainability or how we can, as, uh, as a movement, really further actions that help at the end of the day what we're going through as far as changes on the planet. So what was it like trying to work with all these different government entities? I mean, today... 2021. I mean, it just seems like we can't get anything done with government. I mean, what was, 
what was happening then, what's what's different between now and then, as we're you know the world's worried about uh, global warming and all these things going on, and we got these big challenges. You know what what maybe did we learn way back then that we should be bringing forward today? You think? It's a good question. I was working with local government, so there's a lot more passion and and focus on the region within those groups versus maybe national politics. Also, a big part of that was really recognizing the importance of this and having the conversations with the local communities. And I think from that effort, it was really able to see the impact that these measures were making. And so you know, from that, there, there's a lot that I think I was able to pull away because of also my experience in the military. I knew how to navigate somewhat of a, of a larger group or a government entity and knew how to hopefully get some things done a little bit quicker because of, because of the pre- previous experience I'd had. Wow, interesting. Everything I think is kind of interesting as you describe this stuff. Like you kind of go, well, every four or five years, I'm, I'm ready to go off my next adventure. But... Meanwhile, the things you work on, you're really looking at very strategic, long-term, what's this going to look like 20, 30 years from now? I find that really interesting. I mean, maybe speak to that a little bit. I mean, when you look at projects or opportunities, how do you kind of sort through that? I mean, is that one of the filters? Is like, what's the long-term impact or what's your thinking there? My thinking's really tried to be geared around people on the planet. And when you have that as part of your your guiding lights, then it's hard not to look long term. It's hard it's it's hard not to focus on okay, this is a big ship that we've got to turn here. What are the actions that can be done that are really trying to tackle some of the bigger problems out there? How do you how do you know when you're kind of done with your cycle? You said it was kind of a four to five year kind of thing, but what what kind of triggers to say, hey, I've, I've, Jesse's done his role in this. Maybe maybe that's your role. Is that early? get it going, get it started. But you know, how, how do you know it's time for you to, to move on to the next thing? Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a clock <laughs> that's, that's ticking away necessarily. I think part of it is, is several capacities. Yeah, as you mentioned, a little bit of you know, being able to provide the most value. When is my value? When am I not providing the value anymore? Um, when is it at a different stage uh, of growth? When am I potentially ready for a new learning uh, experience or to have something else to, to gravitate towards? I think one of the things that keep people in the, in the same jobs really for lifetimes is often just the fear factor of mm-hmm. stepping away from, well, I know this, I'm comfortable here, and stepping into something new, and you're not always sure, is it all going to work out? And um, how, how do you deal with that? I mean, it, it really fundamental word here is fear, right? I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that? Or do you have a way of dealing with that to say, how, how do I look at the opportunity versus the fear? Or is there a process you go through to? I wouldn't say there's much of a process other than just recognizing the present and, and not trying to put anything into the future because at the end of the day, we don't have any control over the future in that capacity. So, you know, fear for me, when it, when I feel fear that comes up, I, I know it's distracting for me and, you know, just taking it back to ski racing. If I'm fearing crash, well, I'm going to crash. Right. And I need to have all my focus on, on making that turn or carving it or being whatever, uh, part of the slope it is. So that's really a, a key component is I don't put much fear. I know there's, I know there's risk associated with everything and I know there's opportunity associated with everything as well. So what was next after that? So after energy business, I founded a food technology company, and it was really geared around providing meal kits to families nationwide. And 
the real why behind that was an opportunity. I, I, I was very blessed to have dinner every night with my family and, and studies show the, the importance of having that meal and, and the conversation it brings and the connection it brings across families. And so it was a great opportunity to provide another way, another means where families could have a meal and sit down and eat together. And so that was a, that was a great opportunity and, and really growing, you know, from scratch, uh, a business up and, um, seeing it help further a cause. So let's just talk about that a little bit. So you had worked with some large entities like the Navy and the, the, the energy company. And then you say, oh, I'm going to go do my own thing. <laughs> that's, that's a big departure. All of a sudden, I'm my own man. I've got to make my own calls, but I'm kind of out here all by myself. How, how did you make that shift? Because that's, that's a big one. I think lots of people out here working for folks and they say, well, I think I want to go start my own thing. But how do I do that? I mean, any, what, what words of wisdom would you share with folks that are pondering that idea? I got this burning thing I want to go do, just like you did. But how do you make that move? What, what, what was key for you there? I think the first part of making that decision is feeling that, again, the value that I could provide my current situation was exhausted. Right. And that I, my purpose wasn't 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 moving forward anymore. Right. So you've got to have something that is that transitional point that makes you uh, really gives you in that that lens to say, all right, what is that next piece going to be? And so that being said, it was a nights and weekends opportunity for at least a year, uh, just developing out the business plan running numbers, understanding the different data around it, as well as potential investors and bringing that project forward. So you were prepared. You wasn't just like one day and said, I don't do this anymore. And I think I'll go start this and exactly take, take and five years to get revenue or whatever. Exactly. Like, and at the end of the day, Jeff, that was, that's what I really enjoy is entrepreneurism, right? So, you know, luckily in the larger organizations I was in, call it the utility or the, the military, I was part of small teams. I was part of groups that were, you know, solving, solving things in a smaller capacity. And so I still was able to leverage more of that and build on that type of uh, behavior and understanding in order to then transition that into something of my own. Yeah, I can appreciate that. That's kind of in my career. Often earlier in my life, I worked for larger corporations, but I was more of a project guy, which becomes its own little ecosystem, right? That you can create the purpose and all these things within that little organization that becomes really fun and compelling and, and on some sort of mission. You also said something really interesting is like your personal purpose, right? I mean, that's kind of what you're the motivator and also that wasn't being fulfilled anymore. And I think that's one of the things I think is key uh, really around this whole idea of conscious capitalism. We talk about companies having the, the company having a higher purpose. I come from the philosophy that the higher purpose really comes from the leader, right? That that's their personal purpose that actually helps inform the purpose of the organization. What's, what's your thoughts there? I mean, how like even in the startup, I mean, how did you translate your personal purpose into the, the organization you were creating? Or maybe how's that even work today in, in your current job? Like how, how is that showing up? How are you using that to help take the organization to the next level? You know, that's, it's really critical. The purpose is, is the DNA, right? And the DNA of, of what you bring into the company is then the employees that, that you attract, as part of that company and the employees that you attract as part of that company become the essence of the brand and the brand is what consumers see. And so it, it really is the, the heartbeat behind it all. And having that purpose really leads to each of the others and allows for that to express exactly and have that much, much, that much of a connective tissue 
through all of these different elements. Right. So it's really, it's a DNA, right? Yes. <laughs> it's not a marketing pitch. It's not like, oh, look what we're doing over here. It's like, it's really like what we truly believe as an organization. Wow, that's, that's amazing. So um, where did that go? How did, how did that end? Obviously you moved on to other things. And so why, why did you move from that one? Yeah, so I found another opportunity. I was ready to step into something else and uh, started running a drinkable soup company and was really focused around whole food nutrition on the go. And it was a great opportunity, again, to leverage. And this was probably one of the closest connections from the previous previous uh, job uh, of the sorts. Smallest leap. <laughs> the smallest leap. Yes. That wasn't, that wasn't as far of a leap uh, out of industry. But it was a great opportunity to, to get even deeper involved in some of the back-end business sides of things as well, which is really crucial in growing any entity or scaling any type of company is really understanding the nuts and bolts from a CEO level as well so that you really have that full understanding going into the next spot. So we'll leave the names of the guilty out here, but we talked a little bit about uh, one of these opportunities you had where you felt like the, the purpose and the mission and the vision of that maybe just wasn't quite where you would like to see it be, which was kind of a bit of a problem. Maybe talk a little bit about the other side of it, because it sounds like all the deals prior to this, that was there. there that, you know, from the Navy to Fiji, man, we, we had an agenda, we had a place to go. Then you got somewhere like, eh, that piece is kind of lacking here. What did what did that look like? I mean, what, what what's the difference between working in that versus working in something that's on fire? I mean, what, I'm not even sure what the question is there, Jesse, but you know, it doesn't always turn right. out, I guess is the point. And what lessons learned and... Right. Do no, share. It, it is really night and day. And I think it does go back to, you know, part of that string that we lined up of where the purpose is. So the purpose was great. The purpose was whole food nutrition on the go. Right. But the opportunity and the and the culture that was created as part of that and the team that was created as part of that just wasn't in sync. There wasn't alignment as far as how that how that purpose gets pushed through. And so without that, you've got to have I mean, to, to have a startup and to grow a startup and to be successful in the startup, you've got to, you've got to hit all of the, every single mark in order to make it. And then you're still lucky if you make it. So if you don't have one of those things in sync and it doesn't look like it was able to, to move forward, then that's something that just, it wasn't, it wasn't connecting, right? It was oil and water in that capacity. And, and I, and I recognized that and knew it was at this point where, okay, let's, let's cut some losses and let's step into something where I can really feel that that full, DNA, culture, team, purpose, everything is connected. So that's really interesting, right? Like in conscious capitalism, we got the four tenants. So you can have one amazing tenant, <laughs> right? Really right. honoring the heck out of that. But if you don't bring the other ones in and bring it all together and tie it together, then it's like kind of, a, kind of a having an engine is only firing on one cylinder. It's just not going to go too far. I mean, I think you see that often in maybe something like a nonprofit that has a super compelling thing that they're trying to do in the world, but if they don't hire and connect and have the values to support to actually go execute it, boy, it's it's not it's just not gonna happen. So what happened after that? So obviously that wasn't quite where it happened in the way you wanted and uh, what was next? What what's the next leap? So next was moving down to San Diego. And we appreciate you coming down here because we need <laughs> folks like you here in San Diego. Thank you. Yeah, so moved down to San Diego with with no opportunity in hand, so to speak. Uh, really as a place to, this is the place where I really wanted to raise my family. And uh, just 
got ingrained a bit in the startup community and learned the other entrepreneurs and what was happening here and, and stepped into a role to really help build out Lotus Sustainables. And so that's what I'm currently doing now. I'm leveraging a lot of the bumps and bruises that I've garnered along the way uh, with these different entities to then help further this, this brand. And as you mentioned, we're on a mission to eliminate plastic from shopping. And we're super excited. We're in a we're in a great growth phase right now. We're uh, about fifteen thousand stores here in North America. We're just about completing our B Corp certification, and we're really focused on how can we, you know, help partner with others out there so that they can be advocates as well. So more of a kind of a strategic kind of move here of saying how can we find other like minded people. Yes. Well, I, we have our own products, right. right? So we're in grocery stores, we're online, we're the number one uh, product on Amazon and within our reusable grocery bags and our produce bags as well. Uh, but it's really about recognizing that what we're up against with the planet, that we need everyone, right? We need everyone's support and we need everyone to play a role, however minor that may be. Uh, but it's really about that movement. And it's so fulfilling to be part of a team and a mission that has a pretty, pretty worthy cause that we're headed for. And, you know, as I mentioned, we're close to 3 billion plastic bags. Our goal by the end of 2022 is to have eliminated 10 billion plastic bags from going in landfills. So this is going up exponentially. It's, it's, it's great growth. It is, it's really great growth, you know, but that being said, we're, we're calling all consumers out there. We're calling all store owners. We're calling all advocates. We're calling all investors. We need to fund this growth. Um, you know, we're, we're calling all influencers, anyone that uh, recognizes that there's an opportunity. And the great thing about this is that we're seeing traction from a lot of the larger corporations out there on this space. We're talking to the largest retailers who are engaged in the corporate social responsibility that are really looking at their ESG goals and saying, hey, how can we get involved? How can we play this part? So that's the exciting thing, right, is really being in a space where we can continue to further and we see others making that change as well. So that's got to be exciting to see that, right? When you, you walk into some large corporation and all of a sudden having these kinds of conversations, I mean, that's just, that's just got to be you know, kind of heartwarming, especially given your personal purpose. Um, wow. So here you are. Things are going amazing. They're growing. We've got, um, you know, we've got a real a huge purpose uh, obviously, you got the culture, you got all these things you're looking for, but when we're growing, that's always a challenge, right? Every new person that walks through the door brings something with them, right? Yes. So, as the COO of the organization, is trying to make sure we're hitting on all cylinders. I mean, how do you manage that? How do you how do you sure you maintain that that culture and the focus and on all the things that when you walk in the door, so this is where I want to be during these really fast growth periods. That can be a challenge to keep that together. So, I mean, how, how do you do that? I think there's several different things, you know, it's, it's even be, starts before they even walk in the door. Right. So we really hire based off culture, not necessarily based off skill or background or experience, because a lot of the things we're doing are new things. Right. And there isn't necessarily a resume of someone that's been doing that for the last 10 years. So it's really about that individual that that's coming on board. In addition to that, we're in new times. COVID has changed the playing field of how businesses interact, how teams interact. We no longer all you know, congregate at the same headquarters anymore. We're all working diverse. Um, that also means we're hiring nationwide versus just in North County, San Diego. So it changes a few different things. But, but 
I think the book is still being written on exactly how do you maintain all of that culture given the COVID environment. I know for us, we feel very fortunate because we are a mission-driven company that we are able to attract team members that are focused on that mission. And I think we're also, you know, very blessed and that millennials are very focused on mission-oriented companies and would much rather give a shot at a startup that's maybe not paying as much, but knowing that they're actually doing something to move the needle for a, for a cause, be it a social or environmental cause. So do you see the demographics within your company being more of the younger generation? Is that? I think that's part of it. Um, we've got you know all all sides within that, and try to be as diverse as possible. I just am more as far as the opportunity for future growth in all companies and really mission driven companies, and the fact that the workforce is coming into these companies with a different lens than maybe 30, 40 years ago, where it was, hey, pick my one lane. It's all about this or that. I think we're seeing a different model now. Okay, right. So you said earlier you're kind of raising your hand to the whole world and saying, hey, come on, join our, our, our train over here. We're doing something important in the world. We need everyone's help. How can we help you, Jesse? I mean, how, how, you know, we got an audience listening to this. What, what can we do to help uh, you and your efforts to rid the world of plastic? Right. Well, I think awareness is the, is the first piece. Uh, there's, a, there's a great documentary out on YouTube right now called The Story of Plastic. And it's it's hour and 20 minutes, something like that. It's a great film to watch with yourself, with your family. Just gives you a little bit more education on where plastic, where recycling really, you know, so to speak, came from and the realities around it. So just being aware first is is what I ask and as a as a consumer, uh, because it's through your dollars that you actually are able to layer that awareness into action. So um, in addition to that, as I mentioned, yes, we've got um, Lotus Sustainables got got products that uh, we're offering really about how we eliminate plastic from shopping. So it's reusable grocery bag systems. Uh, we're first to market in reusable produce bags. So really pushing those causes forward. So, you know, uh, we've got we've got a lot of great things planned and a lot of things that are that are moving very quickly. So um, we're looking for all levels of support right in that capacity. And uh, we happen to be raising uh, some capital right now as well. So, uh, you know, every everywhere from buying a produce bag to interested in, in being part of uh, this journey where we're, we're definitely being an investor, right? Sure. <laughs> Reap some benefits on the other side, because we are capitalists at the end of the day, right? We need to be making some money. So what's what's next? I mean, you're doing this. I mean, what are, what are you thinking about? What's uh, maybe even in your role today? When you look out, maybe a year, two, three years from now, what are, what are you thinking about? What do you what what keeps you up at night as a CEO of a business that's growing? Something is tied into trying to save the planet. I mean, what's what what are you thinking about? So what I'm thinking about a lot is how COVID has really reshaped our world and our planet. I think it's a super great opportunity for people to look at what the opportunity is that's out there. And that really layers into a lot of different spaces. It could be education. It could be work-life balance. It could be how we go about thinking about other areas. And that really excites me knowing that we have now changed the direction forevermore on how we as a planet and as a, as a group of people are going about our interactions. Well, that makes sense, Jesse, since you're always looking for that next opportunity. Like, what, what can we do to do it different? So love that. Perfect. So if you were talking to uh, the younger Jesse, <laughs> not the eight-year-old one, but, you know, <laughs> well, it's like post-college, a few years out here working, 
based on the experiences and the things that you've done, I mean, what, what would you tell them? I would tell the younger Jesse, stay the path that you're on. Uh, I don't have any regrets as to kind of the, the areas that I've focused on or the experience that I've had. It's allowed me to really see different sides of the Rubik's cube. I really enjoy that. It, it really, that, that feeling I get from, from learning something new or feeling empowered or taking a different step, um, is second to none. So I'm, I'm no regrets as far as what's happened so far. So get on the adventure and just go for it, right? Go for it. <laughs> Put that fear to the side. Yep. <laughs> don't do what your parents did or don't tell you to do. Just go, go live life, go make it happen. So what's the question I should have asked you, Jesse? I mean, what's the thing that you'd really like to have our audience take away from our conversation today? I think the question or more the statement is the opportunity that everyone involved in business at whatever level can help ensure that the the company they work for or the the company that they're running uh, is is thinking outside of just the profit side of it all and thinking about what are other areas that the company can get involved that are not just about profits and Obviously, our mission is is very driven uh, and such, and not every business is going to have a mission that is focused on a environmental issue or social issue or whatever type of issue that's out there. But there are still certainly many things that a business can do to help outside the outside of that mission to further thought into people, planet, other areas where that impact can happen. And so, to me, that that the important thing is. Any type of business has the opportunity to make a change outside of just driving profits and to layer into that. I mean, that's excellent. I mean, I I think that's one of the things about conscious capitalism and you talk about the higher purpose is it's really it's really truly understanding what that means. So in a business like with Lotus Sustainables, I mean, it's it's kind of like, well, you know, we're doing something really profound. We can really wrap our heads around that. It, but it's also a platform for doing something bigger and better. So even if you're over here making trash cans, let's say. I mean, that doesn't mean the business, again, still can't be doing how they do the business, how they're treating their people, how they're showing up in their community. Those things, all of the things are tied into having a higher purpose. And so I think it's about people thinking about that in a bigger way, which goes back to what we talked about earlier. I mean, it really starts about the leader going, who am I? What am I about? What's my purpose? And how can I invite people into my business that participate in that and touch all the different stakeholders? What are you What are you up to? Anything you want to promote here on the show? Uh, nonprofit you're involved in, or anything that's happening in the world you just want to let people know about? So, as part of Lotus Sustainables, we have several different nonprofits that we're part of: One uh, Percent for the Planet, Plastic Pollution Coalition, Surfrider Foundation, other social organizations that we give back to. It's really important as part of our mantra. For me personally, I also support a program called Outdoor Outreach, which is here locally in San Diego. And it's really uh, personal to me because it ties back to my time growing up and being outside a lot and being in nature and recognizing the importance of that. And what this group does is it takes youth that doesn't necessarily always have that opportunity to get out into nature, to get out into the waves or get out rock climbing or just experience the beauty of it and gives them that opportunity to build that perspective. And that, to me, is a really enriching space for youth to engage in and have a greater understanding of. Oh, that's awesome, Jesse. Time flies. And I want to thank you for, uh, one, moving to San Diego. We need more folks like you. And we need more folks that are already here in San Diego to do the kind of work you're doing. 
So I want to thank you for uh, sharing your experiences and insights and wisdom and for all the work you're doing here, uh, both in your business and as well as supporting Conscious Capitalism San Diego. Jeff, thanks so much for this. This has been really exciting and what you're doing is incredible. And, and what we have going on in San, San Diego is very contagious. So really appreciate you putting this together and allowing this uh, to, be, to be voiced out to a greater audience. Well, thank you, Jesse. Really appreciate you coming in. It's all about trying to get the movement moving forward. So that's our show for today. And if you enjoyed it, please hit the like button and please subscribe. Is the best way you can help us make the movement of conscious capitalism happen here in San Diego. I'm Jeff Blanton saying, in the meantime, go do what you do. Go do what you do best because we're all counting on you.